Welcome to the Kevin and Philip Project, a podcast with two guys who love to eat, travel, talk sports, and have no idea how to raise teenage girls. Coming to you live from Salina, Kansas. Here are your hosts, Kevin and Philip. Thank you again for listening. You're back uh, listening to episode number three of the Kevin and Philip Project. Last week we had over 100 plays on our last one. I don't know. That's not too bad for our first podcast. So about 80 more than I thought we might actually have. Again, thanks to the listeners for downloading that and listening to it. It's kind of cool to watch those stats creep. Hopefully we can double that number this week. Listening back on that first podcast, <laughs> it was it was definitely interesting. It Remind me a lot of the of a pilot of a sitcom where it's kind of boring, in my opinion. You, you learn about the characters, you kind of learn about what's going on, a lot of the uh, storylines, things like that, that you're going to be listening to as as uh, things go by. But you know, overall, not too bad. Philip, what did you think? Did you listen to our oh, podcast? There's, at all? there's good news and there's bad news. Kevin said 102 listeners. Thanks for all of you who did listen. But uh, the bad news is, I believe 96 of them was my kids listening. So, so uh, hey. But, no. Not supposed to say that. We're trying to get some sponsors here. <laughs> no, it was, no. The the kids actually listened one time, and then I actually heard quite a few people talking about it. Even as I was walking the parade on Saturday night, I uh, I had two or three people stop me along the way and bring it up, and I was shocked that they had even heard about it. <laughs> well, my my lovely wife made sure she pointed out everything I did wrong, and a couple of phrases that apparently I say way too much. So I'm going to work on that. So try not to say some of those phrases too much. Well, someone told me, uh, named Gentry, said, uh, Dad, you sound a little bit hick. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard that before. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, we're going to start off this podcast with a little bit of local news. Philip, it sounded like you were at the Christmas uh, parade that happened downtown last weekend. And uh, there's a few things you wanted to uh, just mention about that. So go on ahead. Uh, one thing is, I it, it turned out to be a great success, I believe, and, and the people who put it together, Salina Downtown, did a great job with it. Uh, it was the initial lightings of the new decorations and all that we've, uh, we've all invested in as a city downtown, and the crowd was unbelievable. I was in, as I say, it walked in the parade, so I didn't, I didn't get to stand with everybody, just as I walked by. We started at Elm Street. Normally, in years past, we've stopped at the Masonic Temple, but this year, we went another block further to Prescott. The crowd was lined from, no, there was never a gap of more than 20 feet of people lined block after block after block. The most people, of course, are in main part of downtown around Martinelli's and the steeple, um, just north of there and, and south of there. And as we passed uh, all bars, all the restaurants, everything was completely packed uh people were having parties slime of blueprint was having a party at their place there's a huge crowd out in front of theirs unfortunately for us we were walking i bought five six hundred pieces of candy thinking that'd get pretty close five or six hundred pieces of candy of just the frozen you know the little frozen packages that little kids like and i gave them out individually into each person's hand i wasn't just flipping them on the ground weren't hitting anybody in the no, face not with it. just walking over and handing them to them and then probably 1500 candy canes and uh i was out by the time i got to about the line of blueprint area and still had six or seven hundred yards or more of people all the way past the parking garage across from the hospital 
I didn't have anything to hand out, which made us feel a little silly. I told the kids we should have stopped at Dollar General and bought more as we passed by because I would have never dreamed that we would give away that much candy. There, I could only find in town one video of the parade. Now, the uh, Access TV films it, but there was a guy on, you can find it on YouTube, a guy filmed the whole thing. I was in the 35th minute of the parade is where I was an entrant. And there were still 32 more minutes after me. So an hour and seven long, uh, seven minute wow. long parade. Uh, 107 entrants, I believe. So uh, I think it's f- to be the uh, kickoff of downtown Salina. I think it turned out a great deal. Well, yeah, and it's it's the first event they've really had down there since uh, since they finished all the new streetscape and, and got everything done there from a construction standpoint. Yep. So, yeah, sounds good. I mean, I I was in, in attendance, uh, obviously heard from you about uh, about your thoughts on it. So that's that's a great deal. I mean, the weather was perfect for, for a parade. It was still kind of cold, so got a little bit of that winter feel, but but not snowy and, and not real windy. So it sounded like it was a pretty good time. Well, the only complaint that I heard from anyone was just the fact that it has normally been done the weekend after Thanksgiving. And we did it the weekend before Thanksgiving. Like uh, some, I heard several people say they'd like for it to stay stay as the traditional week after. Right. But Thanksgiving falls late this year. It's something yep. that probably couldn't be helped. Yep. Uh, otherwise, I, I'd say that give those guys five gold stars. They did great. Good deal. Yeah. Well, you know, some like I said, I didn't attend it, but something I found interesting, kind of tying tying the situation back to our previous podcast. If you guys listened to us last week. You know the conversation we had uh, early on about the Salina Journal. So the parade uh, was Saturday evening, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that's what I thought. What was interesting to me was, guess what? Sunday's paper, Monday's paper, no mention of the parade. So it was Tuesday afternoon when I first saw anything in the Salina Journal about this parade. Um, Obviously, it was a big hit. Sounds like everybody, you know, enjoyed it. And we had a grand total of four pictures about it, and that was all the coverage we got in our local newspaper on the on the parade. And you ran the Frosty 5K that morning. It was a full day's event starting with the Frosty 5K. Yeah, You were involved in that. <laughs> I was involved. I did not run. Anybody that knows me knows if you see me running, you should run too because I'm running from something that you should be running from. But, uh, yeah, so I've been on the board at Big Brothers Big Sisters for, I don't know, probably seven or eight years now. But uh, So I, hel- I did help check in and, and kind of get the thing kicked off. We had, I think we had about 600 runners, I think maybe 700 or so people overall that, that were involved in that Uh Friday or Saturday morning downtown, we had the fake snow machine out there on the start finish line. You know, all the coffee, all the cocoa, all the cookies you could eat. It was definitely a a cool way to kick off the winter and holiday season. But uh, guess what? No coverage of that in Slana Journal until Tuesday either. I think there was a couple pictures in there this morning of of that, and uh, that was about it. Four pictures that didn't do it any justice. I would have loved to seen pictures of the crowd itself. Yep. Yes, it's just we're going to have to get used to, to news happening, you know, being able to read the news about three days after the events happen. So, yes. so yeah, and not trying to harp on the topic, but, but this something I saw today um, really made me kind of giggle after our last podcast and talking about this. So I had to throw this in there. But uh, this morning, and we're recording this on Tuesday, November 26th. So this morning there was an article in the sports section about Duke solidifying its number one ranking in the sports page. What was funny about that is there's a little blurb in there um, about how Kansas and Michigan State are heavy favorites to reach the Maui Invitational title game. <laughs> well, funny thing, Michigan State lost last night, and they have zero chance of 
of making the championship game at the Maui Invitational. So just another another interesting uh, example of the news is already outdated before we even see it in the paper. So yeah, so moving on to the next topic we wanted to chat about. It's kind of interesting. This is our, our funny, um, our crazy stories of the week, I guess, that we're going to start doing. One of the interesting things that I saw was uh, – the South Dakota anti-drug campaign. Did you get to see that on the internet at all? Meth, we're on it. Yeah, that's an interesting one, definitely. When I first saw that on Facebook, I thought there is no way in hell that that's legit. Somebody surely photoshopped that picture. So I did a little investigating on it, and nope, that is not a joke. Not only is it not a joke, but South Dakota spent $450,000 on an ad campaign that says meth, we're on it. When I first read about this, I thought, uh, you know, if it's just an ad campaign that says meth, we're on it, I almost understand what they're saying. I, I, I get it. I've, I'm from Oklahoma, as I've said before, and there was a huge meth problem in Oklahoma. I've seen some lives ruined by meth that some, some great athletes that I grew up with that got on it and just ruined them. And whenever you're on meth, some a family member of yours or a or a friend of yours is on meth. Everybody around them's on meth. So I get it in a way. Meth were on it, but then when I saw the pictures that they put on the billboards, they had junior high kids holding basketballs, smiling, and it says meth. We're on it. Does not no. look good. No, not a good so look. I guess if if the goal is to raise awareness, I guess they're doing that because <laughs> we've got a couple of guys here in Kansas recording a podcast talking about it. Yep. But. Uh, um, I don't know that that's what they were going for. So No, I, I read a few things just to figure out what in the world is going on up there in South Dakota. Um, evidently, their first nationally and per capita narcotics arrests. They're the only state out of the 50 states that treats ingestion of a controlled substance as a felony rather than a misdemeanor. So in other words, you could you could fail a drug test, and it's felony. Yep. Fail a drug test. Huh. Now, here in Kansas, you can lose your job, right. but we're not going to get a felony conviction for Correct. passing a drug test. So. Yep. So there's things that they've got to do to fix their criminal justice system. Yep, and I thought Missouri was bad. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, normally we're going to try to do just one of these crazy stories of the week. But unfortunately for our listeners, there was a lot of crazy stories of the week. I've got another one, but before I get into that, Philip, I think you got one you want to share. That was one that I I was uh, surprised by. Maybe I'm not so surprised. It seems that the hackers have been busy this last weekend breaking into devices to show porn in places where you usually don't see porn. Uh, We don't have one case of this, uh, but we had two cases of it last week, one in New Zealand and the other in the United States. First, the flagship store for the sports company Asics in Auckland. The shop has outdoor screens, you know, above their entrance. Somehow hackers were able to get in there and played on the outdoor videos uh, full-blown porn for nine hours until the staff <laughs> arrived the next morning. So it was a whole hours. Not nine hours. Did they have of, a line uh, of people sitting out there going. watching? According to a security officer, some people were shocked and offended, but others simply stopped and watched for a while before moving on. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm assuming that someone in America caught wind of this, and they, uh, they decided to chip in, but they took it a step further. Similar thing happened in Auburn Hills, Michigan, except the raunchy content was displayed on an electric billboard for motorists traveling along Interstate 75 to enjoy. 
this lasted for about 30 minutes before they finally broke into the little building down below and unhooked. He, they had went in and hooked up their laptop to it. Yep. Uh, got away with it, but so. No accidents on Another that crazy one. story. I would have thought there'd be quite a few fender benders <laughs> on the interstate there with that one. All right, so the third crazy story of the week. Uh, this actually happened back in 1963. I'm only 41 years old. I wasn't around then. What's funny about this story is seems like a pretty interesting and I wouldn't go so far as to say significant if you if you take this as a joke but this is a legitimate story that I have never heard before I never had heard it before either so Texas Christian University down in Dallas their chancellor planned a ceremony for 9:30 a.m. on November 22nd 1963 so those of you that were alive on that day probably know what happened uh, but the, the ceremony he had planned was, was uh, on campus there to award JFK an honorary doctor from TCU. Some of the trustees there at TCU objected because of the uh, president's Roman Catholic faith and invited Dick Kennedy to speak, which we, he turned that down when he heard that it was just a speaking engagement, and that left an hour for them to fill in the Dallas motorcade on that day. So I think we all know what, what happened the rest of the day. but uh, Which opened up the— Book depository to be depository to be yep. Uh, open. Yep. Uh, or you know everybody had gone to lunch. It left left the the yep. assassin yep. alone yep. to get away with it. So. Yeah. So apparently this is in the in the uh, report that they did when they were investigating the the Kennedy assassination. But it states right in there that it is ironic that if the honorary degree ceremony at TCU had been held, especially with a subsequent reception of some kind. Logistical complications might have delayed the president's arrival in Dallas and thereby interfered with the scheduled occurrence of the midday motorcade. That opportunity might have been lost for an assassin to take advantage of certain conditions that promoted Kennedy's assassination. Such conditions included the physical absence of many employees from their places of employment, such as a Texas school book depository, during the midday lunch hour, and the presence of large crowds on the streets immediately after the shooting. Right in the report. So, is it safe to blame TCU for the assassination of JFK? No. <laughs> That'd be no. like saying uh, there's no Philip because my dad didn't come on home on the night I was conceived and he decided to stop and have a, have a, a drink at a pub. So, uh, I, I don't go that far. I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist liker. But that one's far yeah. way out there. Yeah, it's just interesting <laughs> that I've never heard that story no, before. I've never heard it before either. So, Well, that's a great segue into our sports section of the podcast. So let's talk a little bit about sports before we get into the, the meat of our podcast, uh, which is about traveling today. So, Philip, any thoughts about anything that happened over the last week and a half or so since we recorded the last podcast? I'm sick of referees. I know it's a tough, thankless job. I've been an umpire before. I know that you can be hollered at for everything. But the calls that are made in the NFL just blow me away. It's just continually bad calls week after week. And, it's, and it, the story the second day, day after the games should not be uh, the referees. The tr two tripping calls in the Cowboys-Patriot game, the, the passing interference. And, of course, now the NFL has gone back and said, that yes, they were neither one of them should have been called. Well, what good does that do Dallas whenever they made a first yep. down on, you know, on a, could have been a, the winning drive. I don't believe that it would have happened, but it could have been. You take that opportunity out of their hands. This all goes back to last year whenever the Rams made the Super Bowl thanks to a non-call on a pass interference. You remember whenever uh, Coleman 
basically tackled Tommy Lewis for the the Rams, tackled the the uh, Saints wide receiver. Everyone on TV saw it, and there was no call, no review. Uh, the 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 fact that there's no review on a call that's so blatant, whenever they review things for ten minutes, sometimes that are obvious to everyone, just kills me. I hate these these instant replay reviews. Of course, you know the old story goes that with New Orleans Saints. Uh, had fans that filed lawsuits against the NFL. And of course, they haven't forgiven the NFL yet. And then again this week, it happened to them again this week, right in New Orleans again. Those things are ridiculous. I, I went, I started looking up, you know, what, uh, how many flags are thrown per average in a game. Of course, Cleveland's leading the league in, in total flags, 121 total flags. Now they they did play sloppy early. I understand the sloppiness of it, but. But it got to the it gets to the point where it's not even fun to sit and watch. Kansas City's had a hundred flags thrown on them through this week, and of course, the least penalized team is guess New England, New England Patriots. So that's it shocks no one. How did I guess? Um, there was there was a little decline in the beginning of the year on a on a uh, Thursday night game, and of course, Fox uh, Fox pays the NFL about sixty million per Thursday night game. Tom Brady put out a tweet during the game earlier this year. And I can't even remember who was playing. Jacksonville was playing somebody. But he tweeted during the game, too many penalties, just let us play. Got to get some advertising yep. money out of some of these. Eight offensive penalties in the first half. Seven of the eight were holding calls, which is 70 yards of offense. You know, 10-yard penalty on these, on these, offense, on these uh, holding calls. Um, then later in the game, he tweets again and says, I'm turning off this game. I can't watch these ridiculous penalties anymore. Well, you know, after he did those tweets that the penalties have declined since, it's uh, Tom Brady's got a little stroke. Yeah. Well, the NFL has a lot of money wrapped up in the Patriots right now. That, that, that I didn't want to get into. There was actually a call in the Oklahoma-TCU game at the end of the game. Oklahoma went for it on third and one. I thought clearly you could tell that it was not a first down, and I'm an Oklahoma fan, but I, could, I thought it's clearly that is not a first down. But on the field, they they called it a first down. They went to the review, and because there was such a scrum of people, they couldn't exactly see where the ball was. And, of course, Gary Patterson freaked out, which he should have. That's great uh, TV right there, though, when Gary Patterson yeah. freaks yeah, out. Oh, he looked like he played the whole game. He was sweating more than the players. He's wearing himself out. But but uh, but those calls just have gotten to the point where it just almost takes the fun out of watching it. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, And that's the best that we have. That's the best of the best right That's there the on the NFL the field. So. Just too many calls. Let some things go that if it doesn't affect the play, just let it go yep. and let's let's keep the ball moving, keep the plays moving. Yep. So I don't have a lot from the sports side. I did read something this week that I thought was pretty interesting. I guess I would even go so far as to say unbelievable a little bit and for myself kind of comical at the same time. I'm sure some of our listeners are probably going to disagree with that statement. I read that KU – did not win one Big 12 road football game this decade. That's oh, not good. and 43. Oh, and 43. On the road in the last 10 years. So from tw 2010 to 2019, five head coaches, zero bowls, one winless season out of those last 10 years. You want to know how bad that is, Philip? In the 80s. <laughs> when Sports Illustrated called K-State the worst football program in the country, in the history of college football, actually. It wasn't in the country at the time. In the history of college football, K-State in that decade went 10-57-3, which is a win percentage of 142. 
KU's record in the last decade, 6-82, and 82, with a win percentage of .068. I think they took the crown. Ouch. You know what's exciting for me, though? Three years ago, they beat Texas at Kansas. That so cost Car <laughs> Charlie Strong his job. Yes, we still enjoy that win. All right, so Bedlam this week. OU, Oklahoma State. I saw an interesting exchange this morning between Jalen Hurts and a reporter during the press conference, and they asked Jalen if uh, he'd ever heard of Eskimo Joe's. It was pretty amusing. He has not. And apparently he's not a fan of cheese fries either. Well, there's a Lisa actually went and ate at Eskimo Joe's yesterday, so hopefully she put a curse on them. She was down in Stillwater yesterday. We, we have a nephew that goes to school at Oklahoma State, much to the uh, dis dismay of his grandparents and uh, his uncles. But, uh, but anyway, he, we, we saw him yesterday. And I, I, I enjoy watching some Gundy press conferences because I, it reminds I'm me of man. how crazy I'm he 40. is. He, uh, he actually said that he stayed up late and studied some things that are amazing. G a good chance to beat us since he studied these things. He looked up how many runs Jack Mildren had back in the 70s. He looked up how many runs J.C. Watts had back in the 70s as a running That's quarterback. These are stuff. running quarterbacks from Oklahoma. Then he looks up Jamel Holloway, who won our, the 85 National Championship. Um, and then he goes on through all the way through Baker and Kyler, and he comes to the conclusion that of all these people, how many runs they had during the season, that Jalen Hurts has more runs than all of them. And he proclaimed that we are a one-man team. It's a one-man show. I'm afraid he's fixing to be shown differently. So give us a prediction on the score Saturday. I haven't looked at it close, but uh, I predict that Oklahoma definitely wins. Now, you might not hear this till after the game, so if I'm wrong, I don't want any – teasing or anything but it's been a long time since they've beat us uh matter of fact last time i remember them beating us tyreek hill was their uh punt returner at the time at oklahoma state right before he got kicked out of oklahoma state for throwing his girlfriend down the steps but he uh he, bob stoops chose to kick to him with us with a six-point lead instead of kicking the ball out of bounds and there would have been no time on the left tyreek hill runs it in norman runs it uh, 80 yards and beats us um, one of the things, one of the few times I was mad at Bob Stoops, but uh, that w we weren't very happy that night. But I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be 37-24 Oklahoma. You sound a little bitter about that kicking to Tyreek Hill situation. Yes. <laughs> no Tyreek Hill for me. So now it's just Chuba. All right. So that kind of ends the sports section of the podcast. We're going to move on to kind of our main topic here. Uh, which is definitely something that uh, you're going to hear us talk about quite a bit on this podcast. It's something that uh, Philip and I both enjoy very well, and that's traveling. So both of us uh, are fortunate enough to get to travel quite a bit. Philip definitely travels more than I do. I try to make a few trips every year. So we're going to start off with just kind of learn a little bit about ourselves and uh, for our listeners. And, and so, Philip, I'm going to let you go first. Tell me a favorite place you've ever been. Well, I'll tell you what, we, like you said, we, we were fortunate enough to travel, but we also make it a priority in our lives and our family. Me and my wife, we love to go places, and in all honesty, I would rather go places than to have a new car, I'd rather, rather go places than to, than to buy something big, whatever. We'd rather save our money and go on trips, so we've been fortunate enough to go on quite a few trips, and I work for a company who gives us a trip about every year, so we usually get a pretty good trip, and most of the time, the trips that we 
when are uh, island destinations, yes. anything Tropical. like, I mean, the song Aruba, Jamaica, the, oh, you yeah. know, the whole, we've been to almost all those places through through Express Employment. They've, they, we've won those trips yearly, but I'm not a big island guy. Don't like laying in the sand. This no. may be something that we uh, will we'll end up disagreeing on this, too, I'm afraid. But I am a uh, city guy. Love taking trips to big cities. As I told you guys last week, big fan of the New York Yankees. So my dream trip always is Yankee Stadium and then just the East Coast itself. Taking bus trips, uh, not bus trips, actually Amtrak trips. You can take day trips out of New York City, out of Penn Station. You can go to Philadelphia in just an hour and a half to two hours. You can be in Washington, D.C. in four hours. You can be back up in Boston in four hours. I've taken multiple day trips to all of these places. So if I had top of my list and I was told I was going to go on a trip tomorrow, I would always go back to New York City. And when everybody thinks about New York City, they think about Times Square and downtown. That's not the New York City. Now, we did that in our first few trips out there. I, I like going down and seeing it most of the time when I'm there. But I like staying out in the, uh, the other four boroughs outside of Manhattan. We've stayed in Brooklyn a couple of three times. We've stayed up in Queens, stayed up in the Bronx once, stayed in Harlem once, and several times in Manhattan. But, uh, but going out into the outskirts of the city – uh, as far out as you can go on the 7 train is out to Flushing where the Mets play. And I've stayed out in that area. That is full-blown Asia city. You get out there and it's uh, any kind of Asian food that you could ever dream of is at the end of the uh, 7 train. And uh, it's unbelievable food. And I'll tell you the truth, I can't even tell you the name of the places to tell anybody if they would ever go because none of them are written in English have yep. no clue but the food is just i mean you are literally in china whenever you yep. get off of main street and flushing uh, well, i think that'll be a good topic for a, another podcast uh, we can maybe focus a little bit more on the certain areas that we've traveled quite a bit have a uh, some ex- extensive knowledge of and uh, maybe go through some of those places that uh, we would recommend from a food standpoint from a from a you know lodging standpoint whatever to, to help people that uh, maybe are, are planning a trip or thinking about going out there, you know, kind of use some of that, uh, that knowledge that you've learned over all of your trips to, to help them out. That, that is, uh, like I said, we, we were going to talk about today maybe our favorite two trips, but uh, surprisingly enough, even though I'm a small-town boy, I would, uh, I would always go to a big city on the East Coast, and it would, and it would be New York City. And so, Kevin, for you, you're n- you don't sound like you're a big city guy. Nope, never been to New York City. Been by it. I drove right by it. I've been to New Jersey a few times. One of the one of the products we sell for work is based out of New Jersey, and so I've made a few trips there. And and I can see uh, downtown New York City and the skyline as I'm driving by, but never been there. So, um, yep, I I had a trouble with coming up j- with just one as well. I have two. Number one, no question about it. And uh, this is exactly the opposite of, of Philip here, but uh, the Caribbean. And I'm calling that an area, not not specific, because there's many places that I've, I've been in the Caribbean that I love, and I don't know that I could pick. I am definitely a beach sun, sand, crystal clear water type of guy. That's where I want to live when I retire. Now, my wife, she likes, she, she likes the beach, but she also likes the mountains, so... We're, we have a little uh, ongoing dispute as far as when we retire, if we're going to move to the Bahamas or to the Rocky Mountains. But uh, 
I'm planning on winning that. So been to multiple places there. Um, I never said I wanted to live there. <laughs> good place to visit. Good, <laughs> good place, place to, leave. to visit and get on out. Yeah. So, well, I would absolutely uh, live in the Bahamas. So uh, been, you know, been to Jamaica, all kinds of places on the east side of Mexico there. Been to Cozumel, been to Dominican Republic, been to multiple islands in the Bahamas. And actually one of my favorite days I've ever had in my life was in the Bahamas. Um, we got on a tour, got in this boat, no idea who the people were running the thing, but uh, we basically went island hopping for the day in the Bahamas. Went to all of these different islands, and each island had something different, whether it was a bar, whether it was rock iguanas that came out and fed you, and you fed them grapes as, as they were coming out there, just walking around in crystal clear water all the time. The weather was perfect. Um, one of my dream vacations is to rent a sailboat. Obviously, I'd have to have somebody who knows how to sail. I, I couldn't do that. But And just spend a month down in the Bahamas and just go island to island down there in a sailboat. I recommend you take a boat with a motor in it. <laughs> <laughs> Sailing is it looks tough. Yeah, a lot of work. Yep. So that's I, I would definitely have to have a crew. But we also went to Jamaica. That was probably one of my favorite trips down there in the in the or in the Caribbean area. There, we're a big sandals fan. We like the sandals resorts. They're a little bit on the pricey side, but I can tell you that they are consistent. The food is always good. The drinks are always good. The help is great. It's always very clean. Uh, we had some bad experiences. We went to the Dominican once and stayed at a place, and the four of us that went all got sick on different days. The The resort was pretty highly rated, but was, was pretty nasty in my opinion. Um, but uh, sandals are always good, and Jamaica was great. You know, what the, What I didn't like about Jamaica was we. I felt like I was um, had a prison guard with me all the time. And it was hot, extremely hot. I don't like hot that much. Uh, I, I don't like cold, of course, but I don't like Jamaica hot. Even when we took a bus downtown to go shopping, uh, it felt like we had to have armed guards around us all the time. Oh, I did say I left the resort. I, I, I actually went to a casino in Jamaica, and we had taken a bus, and this group of several of us went to shopping, and then several of us walked over to a casino. And I won uh, three or $400, something like that, in the casino. And I just cashed it out and went walking out the door, and the guard at the door stopped me and said, hey, you need to go back and play for a little while. There's some guys watching you. He put the nervous in us because yep. I thought there's people walking around here with guns, yep. and $300 might be a lot of money. I actually got offered you know, uh, people selling me marijuana on the street, which people believe that's legal, but it's, it's not legal, but they literally walk up to you and offer to sell it to you. I'm not saying that didn't happen in New York too, but – but in Jamaica, it's a little more spooky because you don't know who to holler at that's going to be on your side or not. So I'm not against it by any means. It's beautiful, just not my cup of tea. Yeah, no, we didn't leave the resort when we were in Jamaica. We uh, we were taking the bus. It's about a, It was about a two-hour bus trip from the, from the airport to the hotel we were staying at. We were driving, so there was a cruise ship that had ported there. And so downtown in that area right by the airport was just going to be absolutely crazy. So our bus driver kind of took us on a back road to, to avoid that crowd and, and save us an hour of travel time. And we saw these people standing around and, and this was right, this was right by our, our resort. So I mean, we're talking a couple miles from our resort and a bunch of people standing around trying to figure out what was going on. As we got closer, there was a, there was a dead body laying in the ditch and they were all kind of standing around it, looking at it. So this is literally 200 yards from everybody that is on the 
that's getting off the cruise ship walking around. So at that point, we decided, yeah, we're probably not going to leave the resort. But uh, we met a we met a guy at the activities desk there at Sandals. His name was Tay Tay. Shout out to Tay Tay, great guy. At the end of his shift every day, would come over. He called me KC. I was wearing Royals hat the first day he saw me. KC, where are you going to be? KC, I'll be over there. And every day after he'd get off his shift, he'd come over and sit down and have a, have a drink or two with us and chat. Definitely told me some interesting things about Jamaica. Yeah, I wouldn't leave the resort after what he told me. So I, I just love that trip. I mean, I can. the cool thing about it is I can. Fl- we usually fly in the night before into Miami, stay the night in Miami, had a cheap hotel. You know, usually I use points that I, I accrue from traveling for work. Um, get, there's an early morning flight from Miami to Nassau. I can be on the beach in the Bahamas by 9 a.m., 10 a.m., something like that. So there was one day at a Sandals Resort. Um, the one that's closer to Nassau has a private island. And that trip, I'd used some points. We're going to get into that on another podcast on why I don't pay for my trips. But I'd used some points, and we had butler service. And so we had this ferry that took us to this private island. We were on the first ferry that morning out to the island. I found my chair right on the beach. I literally did absolutely nothing all day. I never got out of that chair except to go get in the water if I was getting a little warm or I had to pee. I had somebody serving me drinks, somebody serving me food all day. That was an absolutely wonderful day. I hear you guys talk all the time about how you love sitting all day long in the sand. And uh, I bet most vacations I go on, I walk a hundred times more than I walk. I'll walk 15 to 20 miles walking up and down streets. So I did find one island that uh, may, that I enjoyed that a sand lover would, I believe, enjoy too. And that was uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. We went back in the spring. And it does have the city of San Juan and old San Juan. You can still, you don't have to set. The only thing to do isn't just to set on the beach. Lisa did some sitting on the beach, but I actually went and did a lot of walking, um, walked through the city itself, walked through Old San Juan, never felt unsafe there, but it's Americanized, and my name's not uh, uh, Ortiz, so I didn't get shot at or anything, but did he get shot in Puerto Rico or in the Dominican? I think it was in the Dominican. I think he's Dominican, Dominican. yeah. But we never felt unsafe at all, and we walked even after dark. We went out walking in Puerto Rico, so... It's not on my second favorite, but if I had to go back to one of the island uh, places, I liked it because it did have a big city in it yep. that yep. you could walk through. And there were museums and things like that. You wouldn't think it, th- being that I'm a little country, but one of the things that uh, I like about the trips that we've gone on, and I've taken the kids with us with me a few times in New York, and uh, is going into the uh, the museums and stuff like the yep. you know, Museum of Modern Art and yep. and. The, the Met and the Guggenheimer and those things, it's, uh, they're, they're, they're amazing, and they're things you don't see anywhere else in the country. So if you, yep. have, you get a chance to see those things, they're unbelievable, the museums are. Yep. Well, I'm going to pull an audible here. Looking at the time that we're at, uh, we, we originally were going to maybe talk about two of our favorite locations, but I think we're, this podcast we're probably going to have to break up into two sections. Like I said, it's definitely something that, uh, that Philip and I enjoy, um, and this is probably going to end up spilling into another another podcast so i'm going to skip the trip number two and we're going to do that on another podcast here real soon but there's something else i wanted to get to on this podcast and that's some travel hacks and this is something that i always find very interesting i always like to learn new things new little tricks that uh that people use and then i then use after i find out about them and uh, i think this is some knowledge we can give some folks out there that uh 
maybe don't travel as much as us, but uh, there's some things that I'm gonna that we're probably gonna say that's just gonna hit you, and you're gonna be like, "Wow, I can't believe I never even thought of that's a great idea." So Philip and I have not gone through these uh, together, so there's a potential that we may have some of the same ones. So uh, Philip, I'll let you kick it off with your first travel hack. Days of the week to travel, especially if you're flying. Uh, well, of course, only if you're driving. Fly- days of the week. We can go to New York City for less than 200 bucks if we go on a Thursday direct flight on Delta, come back on a Tuesday. It's way more expensive if you leave on a Friday. Any other day of the week, it's it, it's $100, $150 more. But you can you could literally, she and I can go, if you catch it right on a Thursday through a Tuesday, both of us can go for 350 bucks, which is really cheap. Sometimes yeah. I drive to Oklahoma <laughs> City for the weekend, and it'll cost yep. me 350 bucks. So to get out there, the, the just if you're flexible on and you just want a quick weekend trip or something and you're able to extend Thursday to Tuesday, it is uh, and and it's Delta flight and it's actually a direct flight out of Kansas City. There's no such thing as a cheap flight to New York City out of uh, Salina or Wichita, <laughs> but there is out of Kansas City. Okay. Yep. That's a good one. So my first one's going to be pretty low key. I'm, I've got quite a few, like I said, so I'm going to start slow and I'm going to build up a little bit. So, um, a lot of people don't know this surprisingly, but, uh, if you forget something that's pretty common, toothbrush, toothpaste, comb, brush, those kind of things, just go ask the front desk. They always have it back there. So I travel quite a bit for work. And one of the things I always forget for whatever reason is toothpaste. So I always just run down to the counter, ask the lady, hey, you got some toothpaste? Sometimes they'll give you a little packet that's just kind of a one-use thing. But sometimes, especially if you're not good and you don't go to the dentist every six months like you're supposed to and get those little travel-sized toothpaste tubes, sometimes you'll get a, a nice hotel and they'll, have, they'll give you one of those whole tubes. So that lasts me for, for months. <laughs> oh, that's good. So second one. My second one is even – I have six of us, two, and, and generally – over the years, if I, I have four kids, they always want to bring a kid along with them. Um, so I'll end up sometimes with uh, six kids. So there's there's no longer this deal of getting one hotel room. That's why you got to find those two hundred dollar flights. Yes. Well, now I'm not. I'm going to talk about like going to Kansas City for a weekend. We went to a rules game this summer, and we were able to VRBO a house oh, with yeah. a washer and a dryer in it, yep. four bedrooms, something like that, for about the cost of one hotel room and i always have to have two with that many i mean of course they won't let us put eight kids in one room whatever but uh but vrbo and even in kansas city is so cheap to when you're traveling and you want to go do something we've vrbo'd in oklahoma city we've vrbo'd in kansas city i would assume you could vrbo right here me and lisa have talked about over the years whenever they have the lead sled up here we we live right across the street from where they do the lead sled, and we said we should just leave for the weekend and make our house payment yep. that weekend. Just yep. VRBO that thing. Um, so, if you're if you've never done Airbnb or VRBO, and you're a family big enough that has to have more than one hotel room, honestly look at it. And I'll tell you this, like I said about the making sure that they have a washer and a dryer in them. Oh yeah, we pack very light. Yep. One one extra shirt and one, you know, we can take backpacks almost everywhere we go. We take a backpack and wash our clothes at night and wear them. Who cares? Wear them, wear them the next day. That, I think, is a is, it's a game changer if you've got kids. 
Yep. No, that that's a good one. We we don't do it as much as as we probably should, but you know, just the three of us and my family, we can usually fit in one hotel room. But uh, when I have done the VRBO thing, usually with uh, going on vacation with with a group of friends, it it definitely works out. It's a lot of fun. So, my second hack is a new issue, well, a new issue in the last fifteen years or so, I guess, ten to fifteen years with cell phones. But did you forget your charger? If you did, don't worry about it. Option number one, again, go to the front desk. There's always a lost and found there that they have all kinds of charging cables and, and plugins and everything that you probably need. I always, I'm nice about it. I always take it back to them. I say, I'll bring it back in the morning when I'm done with it. Uh, but that's option number one. Especially option, you, you go shopping at the front desk at hotels is what I, you're telling me. I have me. been doing Good a few job. times. Option number two, though, if you go to the front desk and they don't have a charger, almost every TV in hotel rooms have a USB port on the back of them these days, and most of them have power to them. So if you got the cord, you just don't have the little cube, plug the cord into the back of the TV. Done. You have a charger. So um, it, it I've done it many times traveling. Um you know, along the same lines, since we're talking about the, the front desk, you know, hair dryer, curling iron, things like that, too. They're always in the lost and found box. So if they don't have one there, um, you know, provided by the hotel and you forgot yours, just go ask. They probably have one in a box somewhere. Um, my third tip is marry someone smarter than you. Somehow Lisa's always able to find the greatest deals on everything that we go do. So, uh, you know... And she'll look online for even places to eat that are off of the beaten path. And uh, we've we've found some of the best places in the world to eat, you know, and specifically I'm talking about in New York City. If you eat in Manhattan, two people, a hundred bucks is nothing. Uh, you can go out just into the, off the beaten path just a little bit, find some of the best places to eat in the world. So, get out of the high area places uh, that have no specials. They never run a special. There's yep. no such thing as a happy hour on 57th Avenue or anything like that. So get outside there and you can, I mean, you could kill yourself on a budget just trying to eat in oh, yeah. some of these big cities. Yep. So get out of the, uh, of the tourist trap area and get out and you'll find out that, that, uh, there's every and th th I think we'll talk about this more in a, in a future podcast because there's there's places in every one of the boroughs that I've eaten that makes it makes it the reason that it's my yep. favorite places to go. All right. So my third hack uh, um, is along the same lines of, of saving uh, money and, and looking for things. But when you're searching and you're doing your research on your travels, especially when you're looking at hotels and airfare, Use private browsing on your internet browser. Now, I'm a Google Chrome guy. Um, it's called incognito mode on that. I know Internet Explorer has it. I'm sure Firefox has it as well. But these travel sites record. They call them cookies for those that aren't tech savvy. But these, these travel sites record when you go to them and what you're searching for. They record every keystroke you do. So if you continue to go to the same site or different sites but looking for the same thing, they will know this. And you will watch the prices go up because at that point they are very sure that you are very serious about making that trip. So if you go in the incognito mode, it doesn't do the cookies. It doesn't save that browser history and all that. So every time you go, it's like the first time you're hitting that site and you won't have the inflated prices that they'll see if you're really interested in going somewhere. 
good tips, one and all, and I'm going to think of a few more. And I guess next time we go on a trip, we'll uh, write down some of these things that are uh, that are uh, good yep. hacks or good good money yep. savers. Because m- when you're taking a, a family, of course, some my size family, it's expensive to go anywhere. You just go to McDonald's, it's pretty expensive. But but if we can think of some things that might help people save a few dollars it'd be great talking about future trips you got anywhere planned to go anytime soon i don't really have anywhere right now um we you know usually we go to the caribbean around memorial day but that's getting harder and harder with my daughter's softball schedule Uh, we haven't really talked about doing that this year so i don't know if we're going to do that or not um one trip i do need to make is i've got a customer a new customer in new orleans um that i need to go see so we're trying to find some time where i could go down there and and get a meeting in maybe on a Thursday or something like that. And, and Kelly and I, have neither one have ever been to New Orleans before. So kind of hang out for, the, you know, Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday. I know that goes against exactly what you just told me as far as finding cheap airfare because that's probably about the most expensive. <laughs> Leave on a Thursday and come back on a Sunday. But uh, definitely one that we're looking for. Um, I don't really know what else. We'll definitely – we like to go someplace different every year. So we'll definitely uh, try to, to do that now that Morgan's old enough to uh, be able to experience some of this and, and enjoy it and understand what's going on. We'll, we'll definitely start taking more trips with her. So how about you? Anything you guys have planned? I'm glad you brought it up. New Orleans. We're going to uh, Christmas. We're not going to hardly buy any Christmas presents for the kids. We're just going to get in the car and actually drive to New Orleans. Get, cut down through uh, uh, Arkansas and go down the Mississippi River through Vicksburg. Go south into Lisa was born in a little town called Macomb, Mississippi. We're going to go Look at where she's born. She's never even seen it. She was born there, wants to show the kids where she was born. Macomb's about an hour and a half n- straight north of New Orleans. And then we're going to go to New Orleans for a few days and uh, come back home. She grew up, actually, uh, in Louisiana in, in uh, while she was little, up to six or seven years old, in Natchitoches, Louisiana, which is a nice little town that has a big Christmas light, a big New Year's lighting display and all this. I think we'll come back through that way driving and uh, go through Natchitoches. And it's it's about from here, about a 14-hour drive, but we'll break it up into two- and three-day segments and uh, see how tired we get just driving over the cri- – from. F- we're going to leave on Christmas and back the day after New Year's, I believe. So a driving trip to the south, which uh, down there people tell me I sound just like them. So it's kind of <laughs> nice to get down there with them. Get down there with your people. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, this is this is going to take us to, towards the end of the podcast here. Um, definitely trying to keep it a little bit shorter than than we did last time, and we did not do that. But uh, as as I mentioned last uh, week on our other podcast, I'm going to try to do a recipe uh, at the end of every podcast. If you follow us on Facebook, on our Facebook page, you probably saw kind of a little teaser of what I'm going to talk to you about. So. We did not talk about destination number two that's our favorite, and I know this is one that's on Phil's list as well as mine. I went, I got a chance to go to Italy last year and absolutely loved Italy, and, but it is by far my favorite cuisine. Before we went, I, I make fresh pasta on occasion. After we went there, I pretty much only eat fresh pasta at my house now. It's not difficult to make. I'm going to give you a recipe here uh, that kind of takes me back to that first day in Italy. So the the f- cool thing with that trip was, and I won't get into it too much until the next podcast, but uh, we landed in Rome on my fifth on my fortieth birthday. That morning was my fortieth birthday. So the first thing we did after we checked in, we went to a restaurant and sat down, and we were with uh, ten other people uh, that were with us on this trip. 
And we went to this little trattoria right across the street from our hotel. No idea. Just walked in, sat down, and and started drinking and, and had some, some, some food, Italian music in the air. They had the old red checkered tablecloths that, you know, kind of cliche, but a lot of those places there have them. And it was just a great time. And one of the dishes we had there was called Cacio e Pepe. And it is so simple, but it is so good. It is was my wife and I's favorite dish that we had in Italy. Since we've been back, I've tried it a few times, tried some different recipes here and there, added a few things here and there. Um, and, and I actually just made this Sunday night. And this was by far the best one that I've ever made. It's so incredibly simple. It has four ingredients to it, yet it is so delicious. So just so you know, yeah, cacio e pepe literally translated is cheese and pepper. So now you know two of the ingredients that are in this dish. This is a dish that originated in Rome and is on the menu everywhere in Rome. So the four ingredients are literally pasta, cheese, pepper, and butter. Is there anything in there you don't like? I think I could even make it. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, a couple things that I'll mention, uh, sh- any shape of pasta is going to work in this, but uh, the Romans will tell you that you need to use spaghetti or something similar to that. So bucatini, linguini, uh, spaghetti, maybe even angel hair, but that that gets a little too thin and you can't really hold the sauce on, on those kind of noodles. So uh, from a cheese standpoint, um, a good aged pecorino is traditional. But I make mine with a combination of pecorino and parmesan. And, and when I say parmesan, I'm not talking about the pre-graded stuff. I'm not talking about the stuff in the little green jar. I'm talking about go out and buy a good wedge of parmesan reggiano cheese, and you will not be disappointed. This pecorino and parmesan last forever in the refrigerator, and you will make this dish more than once. So go, go buy some good cheese for this. Pepper, not much to say about pepper except don't dump it out of a can. Get you a pepper mill and grind it fresh. It tastes so much better than that stuff out of a can. And from the butter standpoint, unsalted butter, all you need, not difficult. So the recipe, and and I'll post this on our our Facebook page as well, but the recipe is for eight ounces of dried pasta. For for my family of three, we typically do about 12 ounces. So I'm going to give you the recipe for eight ounces, but uh, if you do 12 or 16, you obviously want to do this one and a half times or double it, so adjust that accordingly. But uh, really all you got to do is great. Um, I do a third of a cup of pecorino and a cup of Parmesan. So great both of those. Have that cheese ready to go. Cook your pasta in, in, in water. Just a little bit short of what the package recommends. They call that al dente for those of you that don't know. It's got to have just a little bit of chew in it. But one of the things I'm going to tell you, if you do not salt your pasta water, start doing it now. And I'm not talking about just a sprinkle of salt. That stuff needs to taste like seawater if you were to taste it. It adds so much flavor to the pasta when you do it that way. So cook your pasta in the boiling water. um, Take it out. Drain it just like you would normal spaghetti or anything like that. While that's going on, you melt the butter in a large saute pan. Add the pepper once it's melted and cook that pepper for one minute and you will get a very strong pepper smell. When you start smelling that, you know that pepper is ready to go. Ladle up about half a cup of, of, of the water out of that pasta dish and uh, or the pasta pot and, and dump that into the melted butter mixture. And be careful with this because it will bubble up a little bit when you put that hot water into the, into the butter and, and pepper. But uh, just whisk that until it's combined. This is a very important step here. You remove that pan from the heat after that's combined and let it rest for at least three minutes. 
it's important because we don't want it to be too hot when we add the cheese to it or that cheese is going to clump up. And what we're looking for is we're trying to make a cheese sauce out of this. So uh, once, once that's been sitting for three or four minutes, we want to slowly combine the cheese into that, into that mixture. Just kind of slowly whisk it as you add it in there. And you'll get a consistency of a sauce. not going to be very clumpy at all if you do this correctly. And then once you, the pasta has been sitting for a couple of minutes, put half of it in that pan mix it up to get that sauce all over the pasta throw the rest of it in there combine it all put it on a dish and serve it that's really all there is to it obviously you want to serve it warm with with extra cheese and 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 a little bit of pepper if some people like a little more pepper some people don't so um and then add a little bit of salt it's kind of hard to salt it ahead of time because you don't know how salty the cheese and all that is but uh i'm going to tell you one other thing on this recipe and that's if you want to make this the best pasta dish you've ever had make your own pasta that's going to be for another podcast. It only takes 30 minutes, though, and it makes it so much better if you do your own pasta. So finish the dish with, with a nice salad, maybe some roasted green beans or asparagus out of the, out of the oven. You remember when I, when I mentioned there's a difference between eating and dining on the last podcast? Well, going from eating to dining, here's what you need to do with this dish. So if you're not a wine drinker, don't worry about this part, but if you are a wine drinker, we had a bottle of Rioja, and I know that's a Spanish wine, but it was so good with this dish. And, and you could do a Chianti or a Sangiovese, something that's Italian like that, but give it a shot and try it. Any wine, any red wine is going to work good for this. And my last tip is to have a little Luciano Pavarotti playing in the background while you're eating it. It's going to take you back to that little trattoria there that we were eating at in Italy, so... It, it's it's a wonderful dish, very simple to make, very easy to make. It takes like 20 minutes, maybe start to finish, so you can do it during the week. You ate this? You ate this yes, dish? Yes, twice. We liked it so much, we went back to that restaurant and ate it again. You, you know what? I, uh, I We got to take my mother and father-in-law for their 50th wedding anniversary to Italy a couple years back, and uh, the one thing I remember eating that was unbelievable was the uh, – Caprese salad. Oh, Their that fresh mozzarella there. Just unbelievable. And the fresh olives that are picked right there are unbelievable. And uh, and if you're like me, you have a little Oh, with a we had plenty of Peronis, too. No, no. You know what the no. funny thing is, and we can get into this when we talk about <laughs> about Rome uh, and, our, and our other travel, when we talk about the other places we've been to, but wine is cheaper than water in Rome. We had every meal with wine. Even my daughter was thinking about drinking some wine. Not really. We tried to get her to, but she wouldn't try it, so... All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our podcast. Thanks again for listening. And uh, hopefully I'll get this edited uh, soon enough that you maybe can listen to it while you're doing some traveling over Thanksgiving holiday. But uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll be back in, in a week or two uh, with episode number four. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Kevin and Philip Project Podcast. If you would like more information about our podcast, guests, and to join in on the discussion, please visit our Facebook page www.facebook.com slash Kevin Phillip Project. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about us.